talk about revolution that's going a little bit too far. So love me, love me, love me. I'm a liberal. Hello, and welcome once again to more like The Worst Wing, the show where here in 2022, we take a look back at Aaron Sorkin's seminal television classic, The West Wing, from a bit more critical socialist leftist perspective. I am Stu. And I am Dave. And we love corn. Corn, baby. It's it's a food. It, it grows and destroys the soil, but that's okay because people eat it, sort of. <laughs> it's mostly just used because we subsidize it so much. And we put yeah, it and it's corn fed syrup, to animals. And we shoot it into the everything you buy. <laughs> so this this episode is entitled, entitled King Corn. King Corn. <laughs> and it is about, basically, I mean, it's a, it's a slice of life episode about being on the campaign trail, specifically in Iowa, for all three of our, like, Maine's campaign trips. You got Will Bailey and the... Um, and Donna, representing... Donna, Representing points uh, on the trail. Yeah. No, Bingo yeah, Bob. you're right. Bingo, Bingo Bob. Bob. No, Sorry. Hoynes is, Hoynes is the sex pest. Hoynes is uh, <laughs> somewhere else. <laughs> Sir not appearing in this film. Um, yeah, they do talk about him with the uh, debate so stuff, but we'll get into The it. Russell campaign's out there. The Santos campaign is out there. And Vinick. Arnie Vinnick puts in an appearance, even though they all say they're just like, well, it's clear that like this doesn't matter for us which is interesting because i i honestly don't know how much iowa pens on the republican ticket i've only approached it at great length from the democratic side mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah but yeah it seems like he's mostly out there just to get publicity which he ends up succeeding in doing but we'll get to that because this episode is interesting it has a very unusual structure for a west wing episode where we get to relive the slice of life of campaigning from all three of our mains in order. Uh, our mains being Donna, then Josh, then Arnie Vinnick himself. Yeah, and they have a nice, like, um, they have a nice, uh, they coalesce at the end of the episode into, like, a dining room in a mm-hmm. shitty budget inn somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah, the episode opens with a shot of all the uh, budget inns in Iowa ha- ha- having signs up saying, like, Welcome Iowa Corn Growers Association meeting. <laughs> Thank you for giving us our business for this for this quarter. Yeah, thank you for making our quarter by having a convention here. Yeah, um, yeah. So, and it's we we hear very early on that it's oh it's five days until the caucuses um, from Will Bailey here. So they're setting the stage reasonably well and just kind of like very very high level. The Iowa and corn connection thing has always been a thing, at least since Reagan. Mm-hmm. Um, and for listeners who may not be familiar, um, corn ethanol was promoted in the late 90s as part of Bill Clinton's attempt to sort of foster a more domestic energy policy. Um, it has been evaluated time and again as being, quote, net energy positive. Um, <laughs> but this is in the context of, and this is li- literally what I studied in my master's degree. <laughs> so the the net energy value of corn ethanol is purported by multiple studies to sit somewhere between like 1.3 and 1.5 times your inputs. Sure. 
The shitty thing about that is that most of those inputs and the efficiency arguments have been calculated from like a late 90s standpoint where everybody was just total blinders on ignoring the fact that that energy has to come from somewhere else right to be put in at all right and from so the, from the gasoline from yeah, the regular yes. gasoline from from the haber process from the nitrogen from the oil and so it's all well and good if you just ignore the fact that all of the one that you put in is coming from like fossil fuels right to begin with and just dumping co2 into right the and it's it's like it's the ultimate neoliberal stopgap bullshit of like it's a 10 percent additive it's not actually getting <laughs> us off fossil fuels in any way it's it's the ultimate west wing policy and admittedly this episode shits all over it uh, like yeah, all of our it's good, actually quote-unquote protagonists hate the idea of the corn subsidies and ethanol and admit that it's wasteful and we only do it to appease these stupid fucking rurals in iowa because their stupid caucuses first now this it introduces sort of to to astute viewers this introduces a chicken or egg dilemma because shall these rural producers only grow you know, and honestly, it's a corn and soybeans rotation on their land for decades and decades. Why is that what we've locked them into? Oh, it's because we just subsidized the shit out of those specific crops. Right. Because the market for them is so fucked up that essentially you might as well just have either like a fixed price or some sort of centralized planning. Mm-hmm. for treating your topsoil, which is honestly your most valuable resource mm-hmm. at this point. But no, we can't possibly do that because we're, no. you know, it's the government. Right. Oh, heaven for fend. Vinic, Vinic has a line later on about like, farmers don't want to get paid at the mailbox. They want to get paid at the market. And I'm like, no. What the fuck, fuck, fuck do you mean? <laughs> no, no, they don't. They want to get paid wherever they get paid more. It doesn't matter and, where. No, it's like when you go to market, you don't like a dude doesn't like put a wad of hundreds into your hand. Yeah. Probably, they mail you a check. You'd right. get it in your fucking mailbox. Right. <laughs> but yeah, he's just talking about like they don't want to get subsidies. They want to like be on the fair free market, you know, which is, of course, a joke uh, in and of itself. But anyway, this is all getting into the bigger themes. Let's let's break it down. Let's get back to we open on Donna waking up. She, from her 5.45 a.m. wake-up call, uh, she wisely puts a towel down on the cold floor to uh, to go do her bathroom business, starts her coffee, etc. Uh, turns on the news, uh, report about Turkey uh, executing a woman for committing adultery or something like that. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, she frowns thoughtfully at it uh, while she collects the USA <laughs> Today. This is basically, I'm describing it so in detail, because this is going to be the opening for each of our segments with our mains going forward. And the contrast between them is uh, is something that, again, this is the delightful creative energy that the show so desperately needed now that they could focus on something other than the White House for a little while. Yeah, so Donna wakes up and they go to, like, the, the huddle Meeting. for the morning yep. with, with Will Bailey and, like, kind mm-hmm. of the doling out of the more quotidian tasks mm-hmm. for the day. And then they get the opportunity to, like, both sort of set up the ethanol pledge, which Will says, oh, he loves ethanol. He showers in it every yep. morning. Yep. <laughs> like, <laughs> zero question. They're just full selling out. No problem. No qualms. No nothing. Uh, although we, I think Bingo Bob says one qualm right before he walks on stage, but then he he takes the pledge. And 
they have an opportunity to sort of like do a quick bant about the report of the woman being executed mm-hmm. in Turkey, where they're like, "Oh, this is uh, what a shame!" You know, rumble, we, rumble. You know, we deplore it. I put out a statement. Yes, you deplore it. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> yeah, never, never mind any context or further investigation. Mm-hmm. And so, so then he yeah, assigns Donna a task of interviewing all these wacky potential debate candidates that they want to put together a debate. And throw Hoynes in there and keep Bingo Bob out of it so and make it look like a complete circus so that it makes Hoynes look like one of these debate clowns and a not serious opponent. Because right now, the Russell campaign is singularly focused on Hoynes. That's their hugest opponent. Nothing else matters. So yeah. Do- Donna goes around and interviews all these wacky like sitcom (laughs) lol kind of candidates where the first guy is like a typical boomer sitting in his chair going like you know what we need to arm everyone arm teachers we should just all be wearing guns arm society is a polite society hell our troops our troops better be in our schools to prevent gun violence right okay And, and she's like all right and then like smash cut to the next one and he's just like playing a guitar he's like da-da-da, da-da-da. <laughs> he's singing he's singing the cat stevens song peace train which is you know <laughs> kind of weird in and of itself but like you know very again sort of like the the hippie boomer right. side of the coin right this so one. now yeah we've got it the couldn't hardcore... possibly yeah I'm, I'm just like initially like it couldn't possibly be anyone other than like 45 to 55 year old white men in iowa because right. nobody right. else exists in yeah. iowa yeah, and, and then the final one is, like, a guy who's basically just listing every Republican talking point in the book. Like, ah, fuck Medicare, we should, you know, cut all taxes, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, are you even a Democrat, sir? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, like, that's basically, that just takes up her time with the comedy subplot. And then she comes back and goes, like, we can't do this. It's a fucking circus. These people are legit insane. We can't, like, we can't even try to smear coins and- this way. It's just gonna, it's gonna backfire. And honestly, I the reason that I, I mentioned here, I had to have Emma explain to me why we're bothering to do this because it's a fucking dumb strat. Like, what are you talking about? You're gonna give him put free camp- airtime? Well, or like put campaign resources towards assembly. It's just it's the fucking speechwriter problem again. Where it's like, oh, so we're gonna we're gonna strategize solely around a, a sort of like a a circus debate. But we have to do the work to Uh lay in the concept that it's going to be a circus such that our guy has this weird reflected. I bet you could drive around and gin up votes. How about you? How about you go talk to people and get fucking votes? Yeah. And like I uh, Donna is coming back from like some sort of dinner in like South Carolina or yeah, South Carolina specifically. And she, she got like, she sat there and she pretended to pay attention to their interests and got half a million dollars. And like, (laughs) I love how fucking naked the show is about it where, where she's just like, yeah, I, I sat there pretended to say that they all had great ideas. And then they're like, come on, Donna, tell us how much did you get? How much money? Ah. The cheddar, tell us. She's like five hundred thousand dollars, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah yo, baby, fuck yeah, <laughs> that's a whole lot of cocaine." Yeah, and so just like the strategy's incoherent, and thank God because eventually Donna brings it's, it back yeah. and says, "Like, what the fuck are we doing? This right. is really stupid." So it ultimately goes nowhere. Uh, but it, then it's meant to dovetail with the fact that they all meet up after the ethanol pledge. 
uh, yeah. which we'll get to. But any other notes on this part on the um, Donna Will Bailey segment? Oh, Iceman from X Men shows up yeah. <laughs> as a campaign volunteer to uh, to drive them somewhere, and he's. He, you know, he's kind of like making the case for your, for like, hey, you know, we in Iowa, we take being the first caucus like really seriously. You know, we get to like pick the president, and like, there's like one another campaign person besides Donna in the car, and she's just like, ha, 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 like, fuck you, you don't do shit, <laughs> and like, great, great job winning over voters. So yeah, that actor's name is Sean Ashmore. He mm-hmm. plays X Men. Bingo. Yeah. He's also Ice Jake Man. in the short-lived Animorphs live-action TV show. Ooh, yeah. Um, let's see. So there's the basically they they go a long way towards. I think we mentioned earlier where it's just like depicting campaign life as just abominable, like so the, shitty. The film stock is just like a deep blue because it's fucking cold in Iowa, and we're meant to understand it like it sucks here and <laughs> yeah. blah blah blah. Um, yeah. They're Otherwise, all they're eating like miserable budget in diner food, yeah. and, like that's like, like old tater and tots and like. <laughs> well, the kitchen's closed, but they we got them you to whip you up some like eggs and sandwiches. Like, oh great, thanks. <laughs> like live, live in the high life. <laughs> yeah, and then the only other thing oh from God. the we'll get to Go that ahead. at the end when with with Will Bailey and the song, but that's hysterical. <laughs> The, the only other thing from the Bingo Bob campaign thing is that he, he makes a reference, and you read it down, to those two albino twins from The Matrix. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's oh some sort God. of, like, refer- way about, like, h- talking about him and Hoynes as being, like, you know, two white guys compared to Santos and, like, another minority candidate, presumably. And, yeah, like, what a perfectly timely, spot-on 2005 Matrix Reloaded reference. The- and the fact that the writers can put this in the show in 2005 makes me feel so old. I know. <laughs> it was an old reference then, putting uh, it into the candidate's mouth. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, let's take a break here, and then we'll come back and discuss the next subplot, which starts with Josh's morning. Yeah, ain't no wonder why you love it. You got your first kiss in a barn full of it. Drank your first guitar at a turn roll party with a tailgate bar farmer's daughter and a john deere man saving your money put a ring on her hand now you're raising more than a silver queen in a little farmhouse by a field of dreams corn in the truck corn in the field corn in the bottom of a moonshine steel So, our next segment opens up very Rashomon-style energy this episode, where we get to replay the same day over and over from different perspectives. So, our second day opens on Josh waking up, and in a great contrast to Donna, he is totally incompetent at everything that she did in the morning. Basically non-functional. Yeah, he steps on his cold floor and he's like, oh, fuck, it's fucking cold where she put the towel down. His coffee maker is leaking because he can't make the coffee right. But whatever, he's got coffee in his cup at the end of the process. So who gives a fuck? 
And look, I deeply felt I don't do things before single digits in the morning. Like if it's oh yeah, if it's mission critical, I am not. Oh on, yeah, I'm I am not, not a morning it. person either. <laughs> yeah. So I'm a hundred percent in Josh's corner here. Yeah, where Donna's the fucking freak who like yeah, thinks of all this shit at fucking five and forty-five in the morning. Oh, I'm energized no, no in the sane, mornings. No sane person should be awake <laughs> at five forty-five in the morning unless you've been up from the night before having fun. Yes. Uh, so Josh then also thoughtfully pauses over the turkey story, the same turkey story about the woman getting executed for infidelity and frowns and whatever, and they taught him and Santos talk about it for a brief moment to basically make the same comments on it that bingo bob does and then so now we get to follow josh and santos around and this is a good contrast from the well-funded well-organized bob russell campaign that we just got to see with will and donna where they're just kind of going around chasing all these low energy events like oh this diner has a bean a bean, a coffee bean primary where they put like coffee beans in jars. And we're, so we're going to go talk at that diner and, and they're trying to chase all this like low level stuff. And it's, uh, again, it's a very good contrast from what we just saw with Donna. Well, and as they go through kind of the, you know, the, the minor stuff throughout the day, we have Terry Polo chiming in at all corners of being like, well, have you thought about this? And mm-hmm. she's like 99% right about almost mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. And Josh and Santos are like, well, you know, and like just super highlighting the the disconnect between your professed convictions and whether you right. actually hold them because she has right. no like she has no stake in this. And right. so, frankly, I think the show correctly uses her as like a well what are you talking about? Why don't we just not do right. that? And they're like, oh, well, you know, the votes right. and... But you got to do the ethanol pledge. Like, you got to get... How else do you get votes in Iowa? Even then she's like, but ethanol's bad and lays out, like, some pretty good, solid points about why ethanol sucks and mm-hmm. why corn subsidies are bad and even gets Matt a green. And Josh is like, yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter if you're right or not. You just fucking have to do it. It's Iowa. And he just, like, has this, like, fucking dogma about how, you know, the how elections are won. And to his, he's right, also, to an extent. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's ultimately, a, like, put your morals aside and just do this thing because you have to do it to become president. It kind of lays, lays it bare. And I, the thing is, the cynic in me knows and understands that it honestly doesn't fucking matter what you say right here. Because no. if, you, if you get elected, frankly... All of these people will do whatever it takes to get elected. Right. And then once they right. are elected... and then to stay in power. Well, yes, once yeah. they are elected, they will do what it takes to stay in power, which is, by and large, often at direct odds with what you say. I mean, it's fucking campaign right. Biden. You know, or like, right. uh, gosh, I don't even fucking campaign know. Campaign Obama. Campaign Obama. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's probably a better... Yeah. Thing. Yeah, they, so, everyone knew campaign Biden was full of shit. Um, yes. But yeah, so Santos, Santos himself fights back more, a lot more than Bob Russell does, for example, where like Bob says like one thing about like, yeah, you know what, this ethanol stuff, it does kind of suck. And Will's like panics for a second is like, you're, you're going to take the pledge though, right? Yeah, and yeah. Don't Bingo you Bob's dare like, say yeah, that on don't, stage. Don't. Yeah, Bingo Bob's like, yeah, don't worry. I'm just talking like me to you. And like Santos, Matt Santos pushes a lot back further on that, spurred on by Helen and... But ultimately does buckle 
and takes the ethanol pledge. Although, I have to shout out, this is sort of entirely divorced from the ethanol thing, but there's one point where they need to fly somewhere to, and uh, they're in one of those tiny planes, and Josh has a panic, you know, attack about, like, I don't like flying in tiny planes. This is, like, you know, what the day the music died, you know, <laughs> with with the Big Bopper and Buddy Holly. Yep. And, uh, and, like, and then he gets in, and he sits down, and it's him and the two other staffers, and he's like, Where, where's Congressman Santos? He's like, oh, he's up front. <laughs> it's like, what, what's he doing up front? Well, it'd be hard to fly the plane from back here. <laughs> and then, like, smash cut to the cockpit, and Santos with the fucking aviator headphones on turns around like, hey, Josh, I'm flying the plane. You should probably buckle <laughs> up, like, dude. It's gonna be a little bumpy. <laughs> and, like, it's played for, like, a comedy beat, but... But this is an established thing. Matt Santos went to the Air Force. He's a trained pilot. He can fly. The man can fly a plane, Josh. What the fuck are you doing? Why is this not your Everywhere. free PR button? Why are you not calling up a reporter and be like, do you want to watch a congressman fly a fucking plane? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, goddamn. People went nuts for Joe Biden going like vroom vroom, vroom. in a car. Yeah, being like, in second gear a plane, in a Corvette. Like, flying a fucking plane is like a million times cooler. Like, how have you not made this man president already, Josh? And spoilers, they will end up doing like this PR stunt later on where he actually goes and like dresses up in uniform oh, yeah, and yeah. flies a fucking jet off an aircraft carrier and literally all he had to do is that and bite into a hot dog and he gets a fucking 90% landslide. Yeah, it's like a landslide. He's um, like Jesus compared to fucking Alan Alda's old ass. Like, look at this. This is a fucking fighter pilot. Goddamn America. I'd vote for him. Yeah, well, and especially back in fucking in nominal two thousand five. Because I mean, because I mean, Amy oh McGrath God. is here. You know, was was yeah. there in like twenty twenty, and nobody gives a fuck yeah. about the troops. Like, he's, come on, he's a fucking he's an Air Force troop. He, oh my God, like Josh, how have you? How is this man not running away with this primary? Well, and there's so there's there's a beat where they're talking about setting up like some event where he goes pheasant hunting with a local luminary, and Josh's like, yeah, you know, I don't know. Put on some camouflage, get a vest, like go stomping through the bushes. You do know how to shoot, right? And he turns over and he goes, well, yeah, I know how to shoot a, he says, a 20 millimeter chain gun, but that's not the same thing. And it's like, it, it goes directly into the flying thing. It's like, oh yeah, dude, was it like, yeah, he like, it makes sense. Like, that's a plane thing. Fuck yeah. Good yeah. job, writers. Yeah. It's... Yeah, it's just like, how have you not, like, this is the ultimate gift in terms of, like, what what are your candidate's strengths? Like, oh, I don't know, trained pilot? Like, oh my god. Well, and so imagine I think... Imagine if Trump flew his own plane everywhere. He <laughs> imagine him landing emperor, on the aircraft carrier? He'd be emperor of America. <laughs> we'd, never, we'd, we'd dissolve the Senate if he did that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, uh, well, I think the... the um, the theme of this day a lot is like the struggle between mm -hmm. condescending to Iowans mm -hmm. and having held beliefs. Whereas Russell is legitimately right. just like the consummate political operator. He's taken right. cues from his staff. He's doing exactly what should be done. The, tradi the traditional way. Yeah. And then we, this is the yeah. more upstart campaign that actually does have some morals to it but still ultimately compromises and takes the ethanol and, pledge at the end of the day. And and eventually, like, the, the way they speak to things devolves into pandering because they don't see a way forward, which is actually... And honestly, like, 
This is probably the worst, I don't know, if I'm a nominal Democratic watcher of this show when it's on live, I'm, I'm extremely upset with Matt Santos at the end the of this day for taking the pledge. Yeah. Totally. It, like, he just it fully exposes... He even pa- he even pauses really hard, like, while the teleprompter starts. Yeah. Like, he's, oh, he might go off screen. Oh, he's gonna do he it. Might, he's gonna do he it. He might do it. Like, they really play up that tension, and then he ultimately buckles. And yeah, I would agree. If you're a viewer, this is a very disappointing action for our supposed hero protagonist yeah. candidate. Yep. Because it's it's be it's falling back into the machine, like you know, right. we're not able to talk about big ideas if we're just <laughs> mired in the old corn pledge. But and here here's what makes this episode the most West Wing. At the end of the day, who ends up being our ultimate hero? <laughs> yeah. Who has the stones to defy the pledge? The Republican, ladies and gentlemen. He's such a maverick. <laughs> Oh, what a what a fucking strong man. So let's take another break and then we'll discuss when uh, Mr. Senator Vinnick wakes up and encounters his day. Yo, yo, I talk to me because I'm the only one that fucks with me sometimes. Sometimes it's need to rearrange. To you it may seem strange like it's missing a connection. This is how they built the shadow that you see before you. Only a pawn could be certain of his role. In this game, so I deconstruct the pieces, acting as fate, and then I like to let my pieces all rearrange to see if I'm yeah. still fucking with yeah. that. Yeah. And how we came to be a specter, the man you used all to right, know. So, the last day we get to live through here is Arnold Vinnick's day, where he also wakes up in the morning and goes down into the blue tinged Iowa hotel universe mm-hmm. and meets up with his campaign staff, which is introduced to us for the first time. Correct. Um, it's Two excellent guest stars. One is uh, Patricia Richardson, who was the mother on Home Improvement. Mm-hmm. Many people know her from mm-hmm. it. And the other is fucking Stephen Root. Yeah. Like, legitimately, probably top five greatest character actor still working. Mm-hmm. I love and him in Dodgeball, I went to Office Space. You know him from a million Office things. Space, like fucking Man in the High Castle, mm-hmm. all of these things. And I went to look it up to be like, where was this in the course of his career? And he was like, he had been on TV for 15 years already. Wow. Like, before he was doing these episodes. Sure. Yeah. And then Office Space was like 99. And Dodgeball was like a little after that. Uh, Yeah. So, yeah. They're they're his, like, head campaign staffers. uh, And they're basically walking him through the day in a very similar way to Bingo Bob's campaign. Where he has more funding. Even though he's also not doing great. He's like at 4% in the polls, but it's, <laughs> yeah. he seems like he's a bit more established than the Santos campaign just cause he's a Senator and he has a little bit more like pull as like being like a senior Congressman. Well, and it's interesting because they don't bother to mention any of the other Republican primary mm-hmm. candidates. Correct. Like they don't like, talk about his nominal opposition or why he's doing these things. We get a little bit of a capitulation where he says like, I don't really know why I'm here. I just figured it might be a good place to stop by. And it's like, well, okay, fine. Yeah, because, like, yeah, the Iowa caucus doesn't matter as much to the Republican side of things. But, yeah, he's he's in here to stir up publicity. And, well, he ends up stirring publicity in the best way possible uh, by doing something truly unexpected and shocking uh, when he re- ultimately rejects the ethanol pledge. Uh, but before that, he kind of goes around, he does a lot of the similar campaign stops that Santos did, like the coffee bean diner primary. 
and <laughs> he just spout like every time we see him, he's just spouting out like the most typical Republican talking points. But because it's just, like Alan Alda and it's framed in such a way that the West Wing is like, no, he's being quite reasonable about it. When he's saying stuff like, do you think Malaysians should earn our minimum wage? <laughs> Uh, yeah, and just the most, it's the most Republican platitudes just gussied up in a down-home shucks, gee, gosh, golly whiz, that must make a lot of sense thing, and it's all monstrous, like, they're talking about, like, trade agreements and shit, and like you said, you know, the, the comparable minimum wage things, and the question is, what do you what do you fucking mean? Do you really want workers somewhere else to be earning our minimum wage? First of all, that's incoherent, because they aren't paid in dollars. Mm Mm-hmm there but also like yes yeah don't also the princely minimum wage of about 535 that it was at the time and i mean and you know we've talked about this at great length and nobody listening to this show really will will dissent from this at this point but the the tacit admission of those questions is that oh of course they should be paid less because they're providing our goods right yeah, well, and they're just, they're not Americans, so we can care about them so, literally so fuck less. So them, yeah. 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 <laughs> literally less. Uh, yeah, he goes around just spewing all this stuff about, like, trade creates jobs, and, like, every time the farmers push back about, like, uh, actually, we've been totally fucked up by all of your, like, trade <laughs> yeah. bullshit. Let me, let me tell you about how NAFTA destroyed Completely the domestic farming yeah. industry. He <laughs> met, he, uh, like specifically, he says at one point, like I sponsored this like such for such bill, and, he's, and one of the farmers is like, "Yeah, we call that like the shit for crap bill." Pee pee doo doo. It's a bad bill. <laughs> yeah, just like all of this shit is like all of the. They're trying to express like, no, you've completely fucked up our material conditions, and and Vinick's like, yeah, isn't it great? That's the market. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, capitalism, baby. <laughs> Woo! Aren't Once you on there's, board? There's that. There's that political cartoon where, like, the giant robot is stumbling around and crushing houses, yeah. and the dad's like, "Oh no, we have to go help it get up." Yeah, we gotta go save it. <laughs> It's like it just stopped on Billy's house. Yeah, uh, it's the price of freedom. Yeah, so it's it's a real funny contrast to see him just spew all this awful rhetoric. But because it's Alan Alda and he does it in his like charming Alan Alda way, and the show doesn't frame it as bad, that it ultimately comes across as like, oh, actually, he's like a really good, smart, reasonable Republican. You guys, it's our favorite thing. We're the West Wing. Yeah, and because they're not writing. They're not writing conflict or con- like co- controversy into the dialogue. Mm-hmm. Everything seems like it's like you you get the feeling that this is correct. Like right. the the there's, vibe yeah. coming off of the day. Yeah, there's zero pushback. He he gets all the West Wing signifiers of getting a win. Like he gets to say the thing last. He gets to say the smart thing. You know, Vinick comes across very much as the winner in in most of yes. this. Uh, in terms of how his rhetoric is perceived. But then, yeah, so they finally, they get to the ethanol pledge uh, dinner or wherever they are, the Corn Growers Association meeting where you have, where you go to take the pledge and Vinick gets up and Vinick has been fighting back with his staff the whole time about like, look, I already said I hate ethanol because he, pe- he sponsored some bill that was like anti-ethanol back when he was well, a he's senator. From Cal- he's, he's from, from California. California. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's like, what am I supposed to say? And they always, they come back with this standard line of like, well, when you were in California, you did what's good for California, but now that you're running for president, you're going to do what's best for America, and that includes ethanol. And, like, that's your line. 
And and then they're like, yeah, they'll eat it up. Don't worry about it. Like they don't care that you're gonna have a flip flop. They just want to hear that you love ethanol. And he's like, he's constantly pushing back. He's like, but I don't love ethanol. And <laughs> but like, it actually sucks. <laughs> no, like really. And like it's similar to how Helen and Matt pushed back, but he actually has the stones to stick with it. And at the dinner, he goes up there and he's like, look, ethanol is just not the answer. And just immediately like, boo, boo, fuck you, fuck you. He's dissing corn. Fuck him. Like just hey, the rumor. I heard this guy hates corn. <laughs> oh, get his ass! <laughs> and like so, like torches and pitchforks are starting, but it ends up being a genius move for the campaign because he goes from like a four percent nobody to getting like national press about like Vinick upsets Iowa as he denounces ethanol and gets like next day like all the top headlines from like all the major news networks are talking about Vinick. And so he gets the best thing, which is publicity, because, of course, there is yes. no such thing as bad publicity, even if what you're in the news is, is you know, for being, quote unquote, bad about ethanol or whatever. He's still getting the publicity. Yeah. Well, and, and it shows again, he sticks to his guns. It shows he's a maverick. Yes, it, and the framing of it is such that it's just, you know, you're setting him up to be, oh, yeah, totally. You know, if you're a Republican, it's okay. As long as you're like this Republican. Right. As long as you like yeah. occasionally, you know, bash back against the system in like the, the mildest way possible. Well, and it's 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 honestly at this point, it's setting up John McCain. Right. Like it is. Right. It is to a T the John McCain image playbook, regardless right. of whether the reality, which yeah. it doesn't. Because we've talked this. about how Santos is already an Obama proxy. And I don't know if they were yeah. <laughs> consciously channeling or not. But definitely Vinnick ends up becoming a McCain proxy of, like, this quote-unquote maverick Republican who's willing to do, like, the straight talk with the press and, and not give you bullshit or whatever. And, you know, again, Alan Alda's charisma here helps so much because he's such a good actor and he has this gravitas to him from being in, like, you know, serious roles and stuff like that. He has a real senator energy he's got a pull. to him. Yeah, yeah. So, yep. like, I get it, and, like, narratively, it's great. It, it sets Vinnick up as, like, a good opponent. Uh, and then, all, so so they end up all in, like, the fucking Holiday Inn diner together. And um, and Santos and Vinnick actually sit down and start talking for a bit. And Santos is like, damn, man, I'm impressed. I kind of wanted to do what you did, but <laughs> yep, you actually yep. did it, man. <laughs> <laughs> and like and they they start talking and and like you know th there's like shots of them like talking and it's like oh wow look they get along it's our favorite thing bipartisanship hooray right here written into the script yeah and then so those the show ultimately ends though on this fucking oh my god <laughs> this fucking song <laughs> which like, okay, so the, it ultimately ends with, like, they've been teasing Josh and Donna as, like, a relationship thing from the get-go, where, like, she has to help him because he has this, like, this boomer-esque problem where he fucking swip-swips the fucking hotel key too fast and it won't read correctly. And so Oh, Don my God, yeah. What the fuck? is It's like, VC can't program my VCR-level boomer bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I can't... I can't put this key card into the door. From someone correct. who like travels a shitload, by the way. Yeah, no <laughs> like, shit. Come on, Josh, get it fucking together. And, but like, it's supposed to be cute that like Donna knows how to do it for him because they've been like such a thing together. And so there's so much ship teasing with them. And so it plays this like very romantic song 
I assume it entitled Desire, because that's the... By Ryan Adams, yep, from yeah. the 2002 album Demolition. I looked it up. Uh, thank you. Finally, a pet peeve of mine is songs that aren't titled what you think they should be titled, so thank you for actually <laughs> titling the song what it should be titled, because it always comes back to this refrain of Desire desire but and like it's supposed to be teasing the romantic potential between josh and donna because that's ultimately what the song ends on but Mm -hmm. where the song starts is on will bailey (laughs) getting like a fucking nestle ice cream bar out of the hotel's vending machine and that's when the romantic song starts and and i think josh molina i think josh molina has actually made fun of this on the on the official podcast where he's like it's like i want to fuck that ice cream bar <laughs> yes. He's like he is looking at it, and the song hit, kicks in, and it's just like, mm, he fucking wants that ice cream. I yeah, and like <laughs> the the Josh and Donna thing is just so, oh, it's so whatever. Like, come on, it's I just okay. We know show like you you've done this for years. We get it. Yeah, but they're they're like, pushing it more because there are actually going to hook up. I don't know if it happens in season seven. I think I think it's season. It's, seven. I think it's season seven. Yeah, because they actually they have to be on the same campaign first. Uh, so it's after, um, it's after, after the, the DNC happens yeah. and the and Santos is officially the candidate. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, don't, I, I hope nobody's surprised by this potential outcome. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that mostly does it for this episode. Any final thoughts? No, I mean, I think overall you're correct. Is like this is the energy that the show is striving it's for, very and in episodes like this, it hits it. It's very, you know, it's easy to watch. Nothing gets too far off the rails. You get a lot of sort of back and forth that is engaging. The structure With the stuff, you is get entertaining. Little glimpses, yeah, yeah, and novel, so, yeah. It's it's yeah. it's delightful in that regard. Uh, the politics of it, of course, are ultimately very West Wing. Just for, foreverly circling the center drain. Yeah, like of of the Republican ends up being the most heroic guy, and and Santos ultimately going back on on the fucking pledge. It's just like no, literally, better things aren't possible. <laughs> and and ultimately, it's any any astute person who was looking for a candidate with convictions would see both of those things as being like oh come on man that's fucking pathetic <laughs> like you're you're republican you're supposed to go whole hog on fossil fuels and love america mm-hmm. what the fuck do you mean you're you're hating well, on yeah Apple? what do you fuck mean you, you hate corn fucking fuck you yeah Vinic. fuck you like the i the iowa the mad iowa mob has a point <laughs> well and, and any libs watching this would be like but but ethanol is the future. It's such a right. you know such time, a, a yeah. clean a clean alternative to oil and natural gas, it regardless us, of how much oil and natural gas is used in producing foreign it. oil. You know, because of course foreign oil is the worst thing possible. If we if we had national oh, yeah. fossil fuel for everything, though, that would be great, ideal, <laughs> no problems Yo, there. I I love carbon dioxide that comes in red, white, and blue. Yes, like it's great. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, that, I think that mostly wraps up our thoughts. Again, an entertaining episode. Uh, uh, we love the campaign energy. Hoping more of that continues going forward. So thanks, mm-hmm. as always, for listening. Uh, if you found the show, uh, you can drop comments in our either one of our threads on BNR or something awful. Uh, you can email the show if you found us a different way. Hi, welcome. And you could email us your co- thoughts, comments, questions at theworstwing69 at gmail.com. 
Nice. Nice. And we will be back soon to discuss the next episode of The West Wing here on The Worst Wing. Bye-bye, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Stay safe. Stay safe. Bye. Send all the money you ask for, but don't ask me to come on along.